If you'd open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12 tonight as we continue on in our journey. Now we're going to be looking tonight at verses 13 to 17, and they say this, And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word and for your people who are here to partake of it tonight. We pray that you would use this passage of scripture to instruct us and build us up to defend truth We are grateful, Lord, that we never have to worry about going into this tribulation because of the fact that we've believed in the Lord will be raptured before it occurs. But we also know that you do want us to understand these things so that we can communicate them and know what to believe about the future. And so we pray that you would enable that to happen tonight by the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I read an interesting article this week that was written by Daniel Elbaum, who said that there has been a 30% increase in the Olim Jewish immigrants, people that are migrating back to Israel. And the article was entitled, Four Reasons Why So Many Jews Moved to Israel in 2021. And the four reasons that he listed that were reasons why Jews are flocking back to Israel is, number one, great medical care for Jews in Israel. Number two, good job to start over in the Jewish homeland. Number three, you can pursue a career in the world's only Jewish state. And number four, younger Jews, age 35, see Israel as their land of destiny. So as a result of that, he said, there is quite an influx right now of Jews that are moving back to Israel. If you understand the book of Revelation right, and if we are where we think we are tonight near the rapture, our communication to the Jews would be don't go. Don't move back there. You don't want to be there. Here is what rabbis will never tell those Jews because they don't study a book like this. The rabbis will never tell the Jews, you know, we need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ right now as Jewish people. We need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because if we don't, there's going to come a point in time where the Antichrist and Satan is going to show up in this land, is going to try to kill every one of us. And there will come a time when Satan is going to try to kill every Jew and he's going to start by killing the Jews that live in Israel's land. Don't move here right now. Now, when Satan and his demons are cast out of heaven, it is another loss for Satan. It's a major blow to his satanic ego. As he's leaving heaven, there's a tremendous celebration and praise service that's taking place 
that we saw last time, and that makes him even angrier because those of us that are in heaven are going to be rejoicing because we realize where this thing is at eschatologically. And at that point, Satan is going to realize that his time is very limited and his end is on the way. He understands, I'm losing control here. I'm losing my grip. I'm no longer allowed to fly around in the heavenlies from that vantage point, And he is not going to go quietly without an aggressive fight. What we see from these verses tonight is when Satan and his demons are cast out of heaven, it will be so enraging to Satan that he'll try to destroy every Jew on the face of the earth. Now, we are in a chapter that started off with two signs. You'll remember them. Sign number one was this woman, the moon, the crowns, which we track down as referring to the nation Israel. Sign number two was the sign of the dragon, which was Satan. That sign appears in the sky. There's a war that takes place between Satan and his demons and Michael, the archangel, and his angels. And Michael and the archangels win the war. And they literally cast Satan out of the heavenly sphere, which means he can only be located at one spot at one time while he's here on earth. And while he's here on earth during that time, he is going to pour out his wrath on Israel. He's going to start with Jerusalem, what we'll see tonight, start with Jerusalem, and he'll start trying to massacre every Jew that's living there. So the Jews that are just thinking, this is real nice to move back to Israel's land. This is a great thing. I mean, we're Jewish people and that's our homeland. They don't realize what is going to happen to them. But here's the way Zechariah said it would go down. Zechariah said, it'll come about in all the land, declares the Lord, that two parts in it will be cut off and perish, but the third part will be left in it. And I will bring the third part through the fire, refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people, and they will say, the Lord is my God. God makes a prediction that when Satan is here on earth and he's attacking Jews, two-thirds of the nation Israel are going to be destroyed, and that's the moment you see starting right here in Revelation. When we study the history of Israel, there has always been what has been called a legacy of hatred against Israel. The Jewish people have been the most persecuted people on the face of this earth. Don't let some other ethnic group convince you they're the most persecuted group. They aren't. The nation Israel has been the most persecuted group on the face of the earth. All throughout history, the Jews have been persecuted. We track their persecution down in our study of the history and importance of Israel. That study is online. Synagogues have been burned. Jewish homes have been demolished. Jewish books were banned. Jewish leaders were destroyed. Jews have been killed. I mean, that has happened multiple times in history. Certainly happened back in the days of the Babylonians from 605 B.C. to 586 B.C. Thousands of Jews were captured and three deportations of Jews and thousands were killed. It happened during the days of the Syrians. Exterminate the Jewish religion. That was the cry of Antiochus Epiphanes. He wanted the Jewish religion exterminated. He started killing Jews. Then, of course, it happened in the days of the Romans. AD 70, when Titus goes into Jerusalem and wipes it out, 1.1 million Jews were killed in Jerusalem at that time. Then you had those Islamic invasions. When Muhammad traveled to Medina in 622 AD and the Jews would not honor him and would not embrace his religion, he killed 600 to 900 men right then and there. 
Then if you bump the date up to 1066 in Granada, Spain, the Muslims slaughtered 5,000 more people. So the Islamic invasions have been involved in killing Jews. Then you get to the Christian Crusades. Thousands of Jews were killed. And then you come to the days of Adolf Hitler. Six million Jews killed there. The Jews have been the most hated and persecuted group of people on the face of this earth. But of all the persecutions, of all those we just named, of all the persecutions that have come against Israel, the worst is still yet ahead. It will occur about halfway through the Great Tribulation. It has been given a specific title in the Bible. The title of it is the time of Jacob's trouble, the time of Jacob's distress. The last major wave of hatred against Israel will be the worst that has ever existed. And it starts right here in this tribulation when Satan is cast out of heaven. Now keep in mind that whenever God has permitted Israel to be dominated by Gentile powers, it is a judgment directly from him for a national rejection of his word and his son. I mean, that's the truth tonight. If that nation Israel would come to terms with the reality, you know, our Messiah was here. The God, Savior, Messiah, King came to our land and we killed him. If they would acknowledge that and say, we're so sorry, we realize who he is, things would turn around. They're not about to do that. And God's going to put them in this great tribulation that will finally box them in where they're going to have to do that. Now, this is the great tribulation, which is all about judgment. And the final judgment that he will permit against Israel is going to be the worst ever. Satan, who's now ousted from heaven, is going to lead this attack. He's going to target Israel in an attempt to exterminate her. That'll be his goal. Satan hates Israel. And this attack will be, as one commentator said, desperate and deadly. Israel is God's elect nation. And Satan knows that. Israel produced Jesus Christ. I mean, he came through that special line of people, and Satan knows that. Israel gave the world the word of God, the written scriptures that we have. Satan knows that. Israel is promised a glorious future and kingdom on this earth. Israel is promised to be a kingdom that will be esteemed by every nation of the world, and Satan knows that. I guarantee you this, Satan knows Matthew 23, 39, which says, you'll not see me again until everyone in this nation says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Satan knows that verse. He understands there will come a point in time when nationally speaking, everyone in Israel is going to cry out to God. So at this point in the tribulation, he's going to do everything he can to try to destroy her and exterminate her and wipe her completely out of existence. Now, there are five eschatological truths that John brings out in these verses we want to show you this evening. First of all, when Satan is confined to this earth, he's going to persecute Israel. Verse 13 says, And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. The word persecute, the verb persecute, means you literally go after something as fast as you can. I mean, you put it on the run. You pursue it and you put it to flight. And the aorist tense of the verb indicates this starts at this moment of time, three and a half years into the tribulation when Satan is cast out of heaven. That's when this moment occurs. And I want you to notice from verse 13 the reason why 
He is going to start persecuting her as she was the one, this nation was the one who gave birth to Jesus Christ. She's referred to here as the woman, the same woman we saw in the opening verse of the 12th chapter. This is the one who gave birth to the male child, and the male child, of course, is none other than Jesus Christ, and the woman who produced her was the nation Israel. Satan knows this. Satan understands that Israel has God's favor because of the fact that she was actually a physical lineage line through whom his own son came. He's fully aware of that. And when Satan is confined to this earth, he will immediately begin a pursuit and persecution of Israel. People in Israel don't even think in these terms. But they think it's nice to go back there and move back there. Yeah, this is our forefather's land. It's our homeland. You don't understand what's going to happen to you there. And if we are near the rapture tonight, you're not real far away from it happening. Now, when Jesus Christ was here speaking of future events, he warned that this moment would come and people in Jerusalem and in Judea and the surrounding area would need to flee. I'd like you to see that. So if you just go back to Matthew 24 for just a minute, please. Matthew chapter 24. This is where this passage becomes applicable. In Matthew chapter 24, I want to begin reading at verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand what is going to happen here is Satan, and you'll meet this guy next week, the Antichrist. He's going to go into this temple in Jerusalem and demand to be worshipped as God. He says, when you see that happening... Then, verse 16, those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things out that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation such has not occurred yet since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will be, unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. I mean, that's how bad things are going to get for Israel. It's described right there. He said, when Satan unleashes his attack against Israel, you need to get out of there. And this will be a critical matter of faith, whether or not you believe it. And those Jews aren't being taught by rabbis this is going to happen. Those Jews are not being taught the book of Revelation and what's going to go down. Those Jews who believe what Jesus said are going to be saved and they're not going to want to be killed. And remember, we have in the tribulation period, you have those two prophets who've been headquartered in Jerusalem. We met them in Revelation chapter 11. Plus you have 144,000 Jewish men who are in Revelation 7. We met them and they will be communicating the truth of what is going on. They will be communicating to the nation Israel, look, Satan is confined to this earth. You've seen this thing in the sky. He's just been confined to this earth. You need to get out of here. The church is gone. But those witnesses will be testifying of what's going on. And when Satan is confined to this earth, he's going to go on a vendetta to rid the world of the Jew because he realizes his days are numbered. His days are numbered down to 1260 at this point. Three and a half years. And then Jesus Christ is going to return to set up his kingdom. He knows that. And his arrogant thinking is that I'll completely destroy the nation Israel, and then he won't have a kingdom to come back to. 
Satan's point will be, I'm going to destroy every single Jew. I'm going to kill every single Jew. I'll exterminate every single Jew. So when Christ does come back, there's nothing here for him. Every Jew, with the exception of those 144,000 sealed Jews, will be in jeopardy and serious danger of being destroyed. And those Jewish people, those poor Jewish people who reject the Lord Jesus Christ now as their Savior and as their Messiah, they are just headed to satanic slaughter. I mean, they think they're moving back to the promised land for good purposes, and they don't even have a clue what's going to go down there against them. Satan will use political forces, and he'll use religious forces and military forces and economic forces to try to exterminate Israel. His goal will be complete destruction. That's what he's going to do when he's confined to this earth. His goal will be complete destruction. Which brings us to the second truth. God will sovereignly protect and preserve and provide for those Israelites who obey him for three and a half years. Notice verse 14, but the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. Now, when Satan is confined to this earth, he cannot be everywhere present, and he's not everywhere present anyway, but he's actually limited to being confined to this earth. So he can't like go in the sky and spot things like he apparently can now. I mean, he and his demonic army presently probably can, if they can appear in heaven, they obviously can move in the heavens, and they obviously can spot things that are going on. But when he's confined to this earth, he and his demons, they're confined here, and they're going to have to take up residency in something. I mean, you remember that demon-possessed man, and when Jesus was going to cast the demons out of them, they said, well, don't send us to the abyss, send us into something, send us into those swine." They have to take up residency in something. And what's described in this verse, verse 14, is that Israel will be enabled by God to quickly and swiftly escape the satanic persecution if they do what God tells them to do. If they obey what he told them to do in Matthew, get out of there fast. You'll have to actually believe that. I mean, you'll actually have to believe that things are about to turn against you. The problem's going to be... You have actually thought the Antichrist, and you'll meet him, Lord willing, next Sunday night, you thought the Antichrist was your best friend because he had a construction project, got the temple up. Then he allowed you to reinstate your worship. And so when this guy goes in and demands to be worshipped as God and he'll take a mortal wound, some type of assassination shot to the head, and then he's going to miraculously, as you'll see in the next chapter, kind of rise up from that. I mean, people are going to say, wow, this guy is fantastic. So when he goes into the temple and he demands to be worshipped as God, probably many from the nation Israel will say, well, he must be our Messiah. It'll come to a crossroads at this point. Do we really believe what Jesus said, you need to get out of here fast? Or are we going to just stay here? The imagery of a great eagle, an eagle is said to be the most powerful of birds and the most rapid in flight. The eagle imagery is often connected in a relationship between Israel and God. For example, in Exodus 19, God told Moses to tell Israel that he was the one who bore them on eagle's wings, which means I'm the one who literally, metaphorically speaking, brought you out of Egypt and carried you away. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 32, when Moses was giving his song, he used this eagle imagery to communicate the fact that God was the one who had hovered over her and had protected her. He had provided her just like an eagle would with its chicks. So this eagle imagery is very specific in a relationship between God and national Israel. And the text says they're going to need to get away from the serpent. That's what verse 14 says. You need to get away from the serpent. He's confined to this earth. He obviously can't now go skating off through the sky. He's confined to this earth, and he obviously is going to be headquartered in Jerusalem. And he's going to actually take up residency, I think, in the Antichrist. He's going to give him unique satanic power. He's going to have to be in that location. So what God says to them is, you need to flee there. And at the three and a half year point of the Great Tribulation, you flee to the wilderness. Now that can have a couple of applications. First of all, literally, it can mean you need to get out of Jerusalem and get into the surrounding wilderness areas that surround Jerusalem. That's how fast you need to move. As we mentioned, this moment of fleeing to suburbia wilderness areas was mentioned and taught by Jesus Christ. That's what we just read in Matthew chapter 24. You flee, flee to the wilderness. These were the very areas where King David fled when he was being pursued. So it's very conceivable that there will be Jews that literally will realize, you know, those two prophets that were headquartered in Jerusalem and those 144,000 Jews said, when we see this, we need to get out of there to the wilderness. And there does seem to be some hint in the writings of Isaiah, the prophet, that would suggest that as they go out into the wilderness, God is going to miraculously make provisions for them. In fact, let's go back and look at a couple of passages. Go back to Isaiah 41 for just a minute. Isaiah chapter 41. And I'll show you just a couple of interesting statements that are made by the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 41. And notice verse 17 There's an interesting statement here that's made by the prophet Isaiah. He says in verse 16, There'll be a storm that will scatter you, but you'll rejoice in the Lord. You will glory in the Holy One of Israel. The afflicted and needy are seeking water, but there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst. I, the Lord, will answer them myself as the God of Israel. I will not forsake them. I will open up rivers on the bare heights and springs in the midst of valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land fountains of water. Now what seems to be predicted here is that there will come a time when Israel is going to be afflicted and they're going to be in that wilderness area, but they won't even know where they're going to get a drink. I mean, it's predicted there that they don't have water. They're just on the run for their lives. They're running out there in the wilderness trying to hide out from the onslaught of the Antichrist. And God says, I got you covered on this. Because what I'm going to do for those of you that have believed in me, and you believe my son is coming back at the end of this to set up his kingdom, and you've taken my word seriously, so when you saw the Antichrist demand to be worshipped, you have got out of there. I want you to understand something. I myself... I myself will answer your request and provide for you. You may be up in a wilderness area that is on the bare heights. That's what he says in verse 18. I mean, you're on a bare rock. I'll open up water for you. I'll open up a river for you. 
You may be hiding out in a valley. I'll allow springs to flow. I'll make the wilderness a pool of water. In other words, what God is promising here is I'm going to see to it that if you obey me and you follow me and you flee that area, you get out of Jerusalem into the wilderness, I'll provide for you. I'll meet you out there. I'll provide for you. And furthermore, as I mentioned in a previous study, we have 144,000 Jews that are still around the Jerusalem area. We know that because Revelation 14, 1 says, Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his name and the name of his Father written on their foreheads. So I would suspect that those 144,000 who are actually now, when Satan is confined to Jerusalem, they're obviously having some sort of ministry that is said to be at Mount Zion, which is right there, would probably be helping to guide these people to the areas where they will be protected. They'll probably be those that will be communicating to them, you go here and God will protect you, but don't you stay in Jerusalem here. So there will be, I think, a literal fleeing to literal wilderness areas around Jerusalem. But then symbolically, many Jews are going to flee to Gentile nations. Many Jews are going to flee to Gentile nations who hide Jews and protect Jews during the tribulation. You know, if a Jewish person wanted to think biblically right right now, probably what they should be thinking is, I need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ which primarily is being communicated to us through Gentiles. I need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and then not move to Israel. What I need to do is live my life for the glory of God as part of the body of Christ, as part of the body known as the church. But very few Jewish people are going to do that. And so as a result of that, the Jews are going to have to flee back to Gentile nations. Now, here they're moving to Israel now. As I read in the opening of this article, that there are a lot of Jews right now that are flocking back to Israel. And now, at this point in the tribulation, they got to leave again. And they have to go to Gentile nations. And Gentiles are going to literally risk their lives to try and protect the Jews during the tribulation. Now, in many passages of Scripture, we learn that there will be Gentile people and nations who will care for the Jews during this time. One of the most famous passages is Matthew chapter 25, so I would ask you to turn back to that text tonight in Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, and what we have described here is the judgment of the nations. And you'll notice what these nations are being judged for, beginning at verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory. Now remember, at this point in the tribulation, we're three and a half years from that happening. When Satan's confined to this earth. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left, and the king will say to those that is right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or come to you? The king will answer and say to them, truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, Israel, my brothers, the nation Israel. Even the least of them, you did it to me. What Jesus is saying here is there's going to be a judgment in which Gentile people at the end of the tribulation are going to be called to face him. And the criteria of judgment is how you treated a Jew during the tribulation, during the last three and a half years. And that's where that text comes into play. I mean, there will be Gentiles who will be taking in Jews. Satan and his forces are trying to kill those Jews, and there will be Gentiles that will take them in. And as a result, when Christ gets back here, he'll say, well, I saw what you did to my Jews that were trying to survive. You gave them food when they needed it. You gave them shelter when they needed it. You tried to give them medicine when they needed it. You visited them. I mean, they're risking their lives at this point to do this. And Jesus is going to say to them, you know what? You're going into the kingdom with them. I'm letting you enter that kingdom with them. That is the true application and interpretation of Matthew 25. Now, it's interesting to note that some have suggested that the eagle imagery is specifically connected to the United States. There are those students of prophecy who suggest that the United States, we use an eagle as a symbol of strength and security, and they believe that the United States perhaps will be one of the safe havens to where many of these Jews will flee during the tribulation. That may or may not be true. But the emphasis here is on the fact that God is going to powerfully protect Israel during this time. Satan is not going to be able to destroy every single Jew. We learn from verse 14 that the duration of this will be a time and times and half a time. And we already learned previously in the chapter that that refers to 1260 days. So a time is a year, a times is two years, and half a time is half a year. In other words, Satan is going to go on this vendetta against Israel for three and a half years, which is exactly what Daniel predicted. Daniel said that the Antichrist will wear down the saints for a time, a times, and half a time, three and a half years. And Daniel 12.7 predicted that God's nation will be shattered for a time and times and half a time, three and a half years. So based upon what Daniel says in Daniel, the abomination of desolation will be announced and implemented probably about 30 days before the midpoint of the tribulation, which I think makes this a literal number. I think Satan has literally 1,260 days. That will be the allotment of time he has to assault Israel. Which brings us to the third truth. Satan's initial assault against Israel will be like a flood of a river. Verse 15 says, And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman, so that he might cause her to be swept away with a flood. Now, the prophet Daniel specifically predicted that this satanic persecution was going to come against Israel like a flood and I just want to again reiterate this critical point of interpretation. No prophecy of Scripture is of private interpretation. So if you have some guy who's going on with the book of Revelation making up stuff, just don't even 
Don't even give them the time of day. Prophecy squares with each other. So when we look at this prophecy, if it's true, Daniel squares with it. If it's true, Isaiah squares with it. There's no prophecy of Scripture that's a private interpretation. And the prophet Daniel predicted that this satanic persecution would come against Israel like a flood by using the adverb like, like a flood. We know it's not a reference to a literal flood of water, but it is a reference to fast-flowing flood of persecution which is verified by both the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel and the book of Isaiah and the book of Jeremiah. When a river floods, it rises quickly. It comes swiftly. It's ferocious. And when the prophet Jeremiah used this imagery, he used it in reference to Gentile powers that would quickly and swiftly rise against Israel. Now, I would suspect now by virtue of the fact that Satan and his demons are confined to this earth because they lost the war, in heaven, what they are going to do is immediately try to take up residency in as many military forces as they possibly can. In fact, that will become evident later in the book of Revelation. So they're going to immediately try to take possession of individuals in various militaries, and Satan's first assault against Israel will be a massive rise of Gentile powers that are going to all of a sudden, all at once, turn against Israel with the goal of destroying her completely. Which brings us to the fourth truth. God will not permit Satan and his forces to completely destroy Israel. Verse 16 says, But the earth helped the woman... And the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out from his mouth. Now, the language of God opening up the earth and drinking up a flood is imagery that's used in regard to Israel in judgment more than just one time. For example, in Exodus 15, the imagery was used of God swallowing up the Egyptians as he protected Israel. It's certainly possible that God could do these miraculous kinds of things. I mean, he could have some military... He could just open up the earth if he wants and take them into the ground. I mean, he's done that in past history before in the scriptures in the Old Testament when he was working with national Israel. And it could be that some of these guys are going to be crossing a river and he'll just allow them to drown. In Numbers 16, the imagery is of God destroying the sons of Korah for their rebellion against Moses and Aaron. And he did not allow Korah to succeed. He opened up the ground. Well, what God is basically saying here is, I'm not going to allow Satan and his demonic forces to completely destroy Israel. No matter how high they try, no matter what their tactics. We know from Zechariah that one-third are going to make it. God's going to offset this satanic attempt to destroy Israel. He will raise up other nations of the earth to house her and help her. There will be various Gentile individuals that will recognize what is going on. And they're going to realize that Satan is trying to kill and exterminate the Jew. They're going to realize the value of protecting a Jew, and they're going to help him. Which brings us to the final truth. Satan will realize that God is protecting Israel, and that will enrage him all the more. Verse 17 says, So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Now, Satan is going to realize I can't completely destroy Israel because God is sovereignly protecting her. So he's going to turn his attention to destroying any believer who 
is after an understanding of the word of God and has come to understand that Jesus Christ is going to come back and set up a kingdom. His goal will be to destroy every one of them. He can't get Israel, so he'll go after anything connected to God. He'll try to destroy anything connected to Jesus Christ, anyone committed to the word of God. Now again, I remind us of this fact. The 144,000 Jewish evangelists have been impacting the world with his kingdom message. I mean, they're out telling the people that at this point, in three and a half years, Jesus Christ is coming back and to set up his kingdom on earth. And they will be communicating that. And they'll be telling people, you need to believe that. Look what you've seen happen in the tribulation already. You're talking here about the power of Almighty God. And these 144,000 are going to be unstoppable in their ability to communicate that message. As a result, there are going to be those who are going to believe. Well, once Satan realizes it isn't working, we're not going to be able to track down every Jew, then he'll make war with anything and anyone connected to God who believes that. The best thing that one can do right now and never even have to worry about any of this, is to believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. Whether one is a Jew or whether one is a Gentile, if one will believe in Jesus Christ and be saved, one never has to worry about experiencing any of this wrath business, and one never has to worry about going into the Great Tribulation. The problem is the vast majority of people will not believe. Make sure that doesn't happen to you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God. What a privilege it is to go through it. Lord, as we saw this morning, we can have our minds renewed and refreshed and rejuvenated by feeding on an accurate understanding of the Scriptures. And Lord, we realize in this land of ours, in this world of ours, there are a lot of people with Bibles and all kinds of views. Our desire, Lord, is to be as precise and accurate as we always can be in carefully understanding your precious word. You didn't give this word for a free-for-all opinion as to what it means to me or what it means to us. You gave your word that we're to carefully study it. I pray we'd always do that. We know that faith comes by hearing it accurately taught. I pray that you would develop our faith, and I pray that we would have sound minds. In Jesus' name, amen.